Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 109, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. This week we're joined by, and I'll use this term very liberally, the gentleman from House Cat Brewing. Uh, Joe Idoni and Jack Shepard, the co-founders, uh, say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Um, so, first, let's just start with your roles, real quick. Joe, you are the back of house brewing right. side of the business. Yep. And Jack, you are. I'm the mom. The mom. Yes. Okay. I'm not. I'm not familiar with that position at a brewery. Uh, he basically like cleans up after me. Oh, okay. He makes me clean my room. <laughs> you know, I, I take care of the kids and make sure that they got the shifts that they want and that they're happy okay. and that they know what they're doing. Um, I think. I think our listed jobs are Jack's the uh, funk butler and I'm the barrel rustler. Okay. But. So basically, you keep Joe in line. Oh, or I, try. No, absolutely no. no. No, Joe has as strong an authority complex as I do. <laughs> Any attempt to keep him in line would just end in in misery, re, mis, reprisals. I yes, think, mostly. Were, yeah, yeah. There, there would be uh, pain and blood. Yeah, yeah. So we, we. I think we balance each other out pretty well, though. We do, we do. Like Xanax, <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> Xanax, Xanax, and what? Cheetos. Yes. Yeah. Che- no Cheetos. Yeah. Okay. I think those are typically <laughs> prescribed together. <laughs> uh, yes, but they've started to back down on the Xanax because cheaters are more effective. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, um, why don't we start with your backstories? What were you doing before House Cat? And let's start with Joe first. <coughs> Actually, let's start with Jack since Joe's going to keep coughing. I am. I'm going to okay. keep coughing. Um, I don't know. I've done a lot of things. Um I was a, a sex toy maker in exotic woods for a few years. I was... Uh, and see, like, I don't know whether to believe the words that come out of your mouth. Do you want me to so walk like, you through the process? Like the, of, I, I worked with Bloodwood, Cocobolo, Paducah, okay, like, so, Picote, Zircote, Tiger Maple, so, um, mostly African and South American woods. I could take you from, like, the eight-quarter board feet running it down the table saw through the spray booth. Uh, no, I, I mean, think I'm more going along the lines like... He's you, calling you a liar. No, that's so <laughs> no I'm, I'm defending myself against the accusation. I'm not calling anybody okay. anything. All right, well, we've established that that was not a joke, and you yeah. did make sex toys out of exotic woods. Well, uh, so <laughs> I was a fishmonger working in a crab shack on the side of the highway that was owned by twin dwarfs named Winnie and Minnie, and this is also true. <laughs> and one day a guy came in, and he ordered two barrels of crab, two bushels of crab, sorry, and uh, as I was waiting uh, for his crabs to steam, he asked, he said, I had like long pink hair at the time and he said, excuse me for saying, but this doesn't really seem like your kind of job. What do you like to do? I said, well, I'd, I'd rather be working with my hands. And he said, Grandy said, I, I think I have a position that might be available for you. And he gave me his card. It said, Greg Leshner, the toy bag, erotic toys from exotic woods, which I still think is a great tagline. And I ended up working for that guy. Um, my degrees in sign language interpreting. I was a, a server bartender and restaurant manager for about a decade. Um, Carpet cleaner. I've done a lot of stuff, but well, I'm glad to see you're using your degree. Well, I, I actually did. Uh, there's a there's a large percentage of of 
deaf in the in this community in the Frederick. Oh, yeah, area. in this area. There's Do a... you close caption your your videos? We have talked about that because there's new features. Um, there was an update to the software we use for streaming that will do that automatically, and we we've considered doing that because we considered. Joe doing the interview and me interpreting for both of you, which I haven't done in many years. Uh, it's extremely stressful and it would kind of put me out of being able to participate yeah. in the conversation. So we decided against it, but we also don't want to exclude any any deaf. Yeah, um, so we um, we've uh, uh, some of the Frederick News Post other podcasts. Uh, like we had the what, Graham, who was it, the president of the Maryland School. The superintendent for the Maryland School for the Deaf. He came into our place. He, yeah, he came. He came on. So we hired an interpreter for that show. I don't think we closed captioned it. His but we had... his, com- his comment was, "I'm I normally I don't like IPAs, but I like that beer." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we've started. We've talked about using that because like I want to have the streetcar eighty two. Yes. Yep. I want to have the streetcar yeah, eighty two yeah, yeah. people on, um, and I believe. Only one of them uh, can hear. I, I know they, or have, they least, have someone. They have at least one hearing with... person, and I know uh, one of them has a cochlear implant. So okay, but generally, so when we were at the hot market at Flying Dog a month or so ago, they had an interpreter with them. Yeah, so I, I want to. We talked about I want to have them on, and we thought we would get an interpreter for that, and then also try out being able to use the closed captioning but we haven't tested it yet the some, facebook facebook does it too and some of some of the closed captioning just it ends up being word salad garbage what's well, a so shorter videos we have um we've used the automatic facebook thing and like a five minute video will take a half an hour to go through and fix all of the weird yeah. interpretations it makes okay so um let's go back so I've always wondered what how how do you determine if a position to do with food is a monger? Because so like there's cheese mongers huh, right, right. and every other fish mongers. Mm-hmm. Like what does a fish monger do? So it depends how much Shakespeare you remember from school. None. Okay. So the answer to this is it's just it really up. is a linguistic thing. Okay. So you could we could just call you a beer monger if we wanted to. I'm okay or? with that actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's war monger, cheese monger, fish monger. These are things that you traditionally can monger. Um, <laughs> as a as a, as a fish monger, I I cleaned and scaled fish. I cut steaks. I cut fillets. I steamed shrimp. I steamed crabs. I cleaned soft shells, which is my least favorite job ever. Um, yeah. Uh, I. Uh, did I shuck oysters or did no people shuck the oysters themselves? Yeah, but you know normal normal fishmonger stuff. Yeah, as you do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, so how did you end up wanting to open a brewery? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Joe and I first met about ten years ago. I would say. Uh, and it's about eleven. No way. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Hold on. This would have been like shortly before you moved to Frederick. If you add right. ish to the end, yeah, that's okay, fine. okay, no. Yeah. So Joe and I first yeah. met about eleven years ago um, at a mutual friend's house party. Uh, I bumped into him in the kitchen, like I literally bumped into him. I, I backed into him and spilled his beer. 
he said something sarcastic because if you haven't noticed it yet, Joe's kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> a lovable asshole. <laughs> he's, he's my heterosexual life mate, you know? So, but uh, we first met, uh, bumped into him. He said something snarky. I'm sure I said something back. So we clicked right away. And about two hours into our conversation, we came to realize that we were dating the same girl. <laughs> like... Like, I think he said something, I don't even remember what, and I said, uh, my girlfriend says that all the time. And he said, my girlfriend says that all the time. And then after comparing some brief notes, it was pretty obvious. So we agreed to meet up the following day, which was Sunday, in the uh, parking lot at her apartment complex. We went up and confronted her. We broke up with her. And um, so it was like the first and last tag team breakup I've ever been a part of. But it was... Uh, we're looking forward to the next (laughs) (laughs) anyway um the there was one problem um i had a cat with her i also had a cat with her the same cat or multiple it was the same okay the plot thickens or thins depending on how long the story goes on we had different names for him like i showed up at her place one day and she said surprise look what i got what should we name him did the same thing to joe so i mean he didn't come when either of us called him i mean he's a cat but i wonder if she did she have a third name for him because that would be hilarious i've gotten that question somebody said you think she had a third guy on the string (laughs) well no i'm not even like thinking like that there was a third guy but uh, you think like she just made up her name yeah like Like, she had like her her private name for the cat like, like, was, don't, like, yeah, yeah, I knew who you really are. That was bizarre. There was her name for the cat, Joe's <laughs> name for the cat, and Jack's name for the cat. Yeah. Right. And um, that poor little cat just had no idea what was up, what was down. Well, <laughs> well, at, at any rate, we decided that she did not deserve custody of this cat. So we absconded with our cat. And um, I had kept him for the first week. Joe came and picked him up and took him for the second. We had joint custody of this cat. And... Uh, <laughs> We, uh, we ended up, uh, I flipped the coin, Joe called it. We kept his name for the cat, Fenrir. And now, oh my God, he's 11. Our little boy's grown up. You know, I don't know why I'm even remotely surprised, but um, this has still turned out weirder than I was expecting it to be. Weird is our jam, man. <laughs> have you tried any of our beers? <laughs> I have. But it's... So, uh, to finish the story... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so basically, we ended up becoming best friends over the time, uh, mostly because of the cat. You know, just well. I mean, you don't want a, the cat to grow up dysfunctional by uh, having I, <laughs> only one dad. <laughs> yeah. So you clearly don't have cats because they're all dysfunctional. But uh, actually, I hate cats. But we'll all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even drop the mic. Here. I can't. Yeah. There's, could you? Could Could you help me disconnect this microphone? Uh, but yeah. So. Um, Jack moved out to Portland for a little while. I decided that I wanted to. Did you ship the cat back and forth? Uh, No, at that point, I kept the cat because apparently uh, cats don't uh, fit into small luggage very well. Oh. Yeah. I I mean, that's what I hear. And we, I ended up deciding that I wanted to start making beer professionally. Um, After doing the same job for 14 years, I was bored and spiteful. And uh, What, What were you doing beforehand? I was an electrician. So, whatever. Um, and one day he's like, Hey, I'm moving back. And I was like, well, do you want to do this brewery thing with me? And, uh, that's, I think that's about where I, think I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I think, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, uh, moved into Joe's spare room. So now we, I'm reunited with my cat. And it feels so good. <laughs> um, 
So I'm guessing that the name of the brewery has something to do with the story we just told you. Yeah. No, actually, not at all. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's exactly. Yeah, no, what that's a completely separate story. Here, let me. Uh, this goes back to 1875. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the house cat thing was definitely because of the cat and the whole thing that went there. And the joint custody and the whole. Oh whole. no, we're not allowed to sell joints. Calm down, oh, Chris. Yeah, uh, you have down. to. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, I started homebrewing. I started homebrewing maybe, <laughs> maybe nine or ten years ago. I guess it's ten years ago now. Um, and Joe's also a homebrewer for quite a while, but he also uh, followed uh, Eric Gleason from Barley and Hops around quite a bit and uh, pestered him with questions and and uh, helped him uh, in his brewery and learned a lot that way. And uh, Joe also reads just pretty much everything he can get his hands on about beer nonstop. Um, was that when he was at Growlers or no at Barley and Hops? At Barley mm-hmm. and Hops. Yep. So did so he was kind of your your mentor. Uh, or, yes. Yeah, we'll go with mentor. Or reluctant. I, I, could could uh could could we? Call, I mean, he could never we, kicked me out. Could, so. could we say uh, he was Joe's Miyagi? Because I kind of like that better. That sounds. You mean Miyagi? Pat Morita. Yeah. Yeah. Wax on, wax off. Yeah. Meow, okay. Meowgi. Cats. Meowgi. Oh, yeah. God. So, how, wax, um, <laughs> who, who got the, the puns out who already. won the naming battle of the cat? Joe won. won. I flipped the coin. He called it. It, it, it he called heads. It was heads. Yep. And Fenrir, the wolf from Norse mythology that devours the sun, that's, that's our boy's name. And what was your name for this poor cat? Well, I called him our founding father, Thomas Jefferson, or OFFTJ for short. But usually I went with Tommy. I mean, yeah, I, that was the obvious answer. I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't everybody name their cat after founding fathers? I thought so. That's why I found it weird that you're, you're <laughs> Fenrir. And again, Fenrir, so weird yeah. is kind of what we do. So I <laughs> just want to be a little off off track there. So. so, Joe, how did you get into sour beers? What was your first experience with a sour? <clears throat> Well, Jack. <laughs> well, uh, so um, I'll, I'll do my job. Um, <laughs> when you guys were home brewing, did you focus on doing sour beers or it, did you always have an affinity towards sour beers or did you slowly so gravitate no. towards um, that? I was... Homebrewing for a little while, and of course, you know, making like the standard stuff, stouts and pale ales and whatever crap like that. I made a nice doppelbach. And um, one time, ju- yes, just, <laughs> just one, <laughs> one that I'm still proud of. Yes. <laughs> um, and then basically, I, you know, because everybody's had Duchess de Bourbon, which is just like this vinegar terrible it's awful vinegar. it's it's not it's not to my taste i it well and it was all when i tried it it was because so many people had told me it's like same here like listed as one of the best beers ever made right. i had so many friends that raved about it and i couldn't understand and then i tried it i spit it out and then i dumped the bottle out wow yeah and i think that's the instructions written on the side <laughs> of the- yes but they're in dutch so how do you really yeah. know I mean, um, that's why I'm assuming. That's right, what it says right, on right, the right, side right, of the bottle. Right. For um, maximum enjoyment, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please throw at the nearest person. Uh, no. It was um, actually New Belgium's La Folie was the first real sour beer that I had had. And <clears throat> it was interesting. I was at uh, Bushwaller's 
and uh, the owner uh, was like, you know, here you have to try this beer. I was like, okay. So she's like, but you know, take a couple sips. It's on me, no matter what. Like if you dump it out, whatever. But it's like, took, and I was like, oh, you know, oh, God, this tastes like sour milk. And then she's like, no, no, keep keep going. And I'm like, fine. Power through. <laughs> fine. And uh, took another sip, and you know, like fruit flavors and just complexity started opening up and then the third one i was hooked and i just ever every time after that all beer i made was sour beer because it's just it was perfect it was brilliant it was just a lot of things going on and good balance and um and it, it's a whole new um not new really but i mean it's a whole different palette of expression to play with exactly. creatively in the beer world exactly as as home brewing how um how do you make a sour beer? Because um, I, I guess I've when I used to homebrew, I never even I guess back then too I also hated sour beers, so I never would have even attempted. But I wouldn't have known how to. Um, I mean, it's really all of the processes up to the sour part are exactly the same. You know, you, you mash in, you get your sugars, you boil it, you throw maybe you throw some hops in that sort of thing. Um, the thing, the additional step is to add a lactic acid bacteria. So, um, so it becomes sour. And then what I do, and it's not necessary step, but it's certainly a lot, um, adds a lot of body and, and weird components to it is to add another type of yeast called Britannomyces, which is a wild yeast. So, um, really everything's the same just a one or two extra steps and a lot more time. So you would, you would still, you, you could still use like the five gallon brew buckets. You don't have to absolutely use wood. Nope. Like, you don't have to use wood okay. at all. There, there's a, there's advantages and disadvantages to wood. Obviously wood's very expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no reason you can't use a bucket. I, I think I even have, um, you know, like a little one gallon glass carboy sitting okay. at the house still. So, you know, you can use just about anything you want. Um, we we tend to go with uh, uh, recovered wine barrels, red wine barrels. Is it mostly French and a little American, or is it about half and half? Um, I don't actually know because they're not all stamped. And I mean, well, it's French and American oak. Yeah. Yeah, because um, actually, I'm, I I would assume winemakers care very much what type of wood it is, right? Absolutely, yeah. but it's different but for them because they're brand new. So yeah. you know they want that oak character out of it, um, where I want. You as little the, character as possible. You so. want the leftover wine uh, a no, little I bit, actually, or you just... I actually want the wood because, uh, so wood is porous. Um, so over time, you get what's called micro-oxygenation. So basically, instead of the yeast dying um, from, you know, suffocation really is what it is, um, they continue to get a little bit of oxygen, just, just enough to keep them going to metabolizing for new flavors, that sort of thing. So. Okay. So, so over over time, just like with uh, with whiskeys, you get more interest and more complexity as okay. it continues to metabolize. Uh, and I think our oldest beer right now is a year and a half. Uh, it's old. about it's about two years now. About two years mm-hmm. now. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that that's another thing I, w- I wanted to get into because you've actually, while not open to the public. For very long, you've been a brewery for 
<clears throat> when my, if my voice keeps working, you've been a brewery for uh, over a year now. Uh, yep. Um, since December of 16. So um, let's take a real quick break to thank Roast House Pub for continuing to support the Uncapped podcast and make this possible. And then we get back, uh, come back, we'll talk about um, what you were doing during that time and get more into sour beer because I don't think we've really dove into sour beer all that much on Uncapped yet. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook, and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. So you said it was when, 2016? Yes. Okay. Um, so that's uh, during that whole time, were you brewing and then stockpiling <clears throat> barrels of beer? Or were you doing some and just trying to jump through all the hurdles and hoops to open... By federal law, I was not brewing until I had my TTB license in January. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously that was, and and that goes without saying that you wouldn't brew until you're legally allowed. Of course not. Um, Law and order every time. That's us. That's us, Marshall. All right. So, um, I guess, do you have a stockpile of barreled beer that you're just waiting for the right moment to harvest those barrels? I do. Um, and, you know, so each barrel's different. Um, <laughs> some of those <laughs> barrels. beer, those boys at House Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Um, mostly I just tuck it under the couch. A- ATF usually, like, burns places down when it's the firearms that's the issue. But Yeah, but shh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, yeah, we have quite a, lot of, uh, quite a lot of beers, and not all barrels are all ready at the same time. So mm. um, from time to time, I'll look at the age of a barrel or a beer as it were and pull it out and you know taste through it and some are ready and some aren't and if they're not obviously i don't i just let them go and they sit back down um but if they are ready then i'll blend them together um i think only once have we had a beer that was single barrel ready by itself everything just else mad about saffron yeah, yeah barrel 15 yeah 14 no because the Donovan song, he says, I'm just mad about 14. And then later on the next verse, he says, I'm just mad about saffron. So label the barrels number 14 and number saffron. Oh. So barrel 15. All right. I don't even know my own barrel's history. I'm, I'm, I'm a, ba- a bad barrel dad. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, well, I, you're the funk butler. I'm the barrel wrestler. Oh, yeah. Good point. All right. So, so yes, by, we have a lot of beer sitting around waiting to be drank. Um. So are there certain characteristics you're looking for when you're trying or just that when you taste it, you're like, yeah, this is what I want? Uh, pretty much the latter. It's if it tastes good when it comes out. Um, so it's it's never that simple, right? So a lot of times I'll taste it and I'll be like, man, this is really good, but it's missing – uh, you something know, is usually uh, the word you go with. Uh, hint, uh, yeah, something. <laughs> like, a very uh, technical you know, something. Like a little bit of like toenail or something like that. Like, 
and then frogs and snails and puppy dog tails stir it in the witch's brew yeah. and then uh so i'll taste other barrels and if they have similar characteristics i'll try and blend them together in different proportions and just see you know if if whatever was missing from one is complemented by the other doesn't always work out um and sometimes I've just gone, you know what, there's nothing I can do with this barrel right now, and I just put it back, period. Uh, whether it's good or not, if it's not... If it's not ready, I, it's not ready. Right. And if I don't want to drink it, then I don't want anybody else drinking it. So the the barrels that you're blending together, is that from, like, the same batch, or could they be completely different brews? We, that we have you're... a beer decoupage on tap right now called Sunshine Up Your Ass. That is uh, uh, an old Kentucky Common that we blended with a, a new Berliner Weiss. And the Kentucky Common, I think, was eight eight, eight months when you blended it? Yeah, about and, about eight months. Yep. And now it's probably closing up on a year old? Uh, yeah, about that. But, yeah, so I always start with beers from the same batch. Okay. Um, but that's not necessarily how that works. And, and some beers, you know, they're wild beers. So sometimes they take really unpredictable turns. The rye humors, that's is a really good example. We had uh, four barrels from the same same batch. One of them became the saffron. The other three we blended together, and now it has like this blue cheese smell and a blue cheese flavor with some fresh pineapple and a little bit of cheesecake going on. But that blue cheese is like unmistakably blue cheese, and we had no way of predicting that. Right, uh, and then sometimes barrels will just turn into nail polish remover unexpectedly <laughs> for no reason whatsoever they just so you know most of the time they end up good but not great so we put them together to get to great much like winemakers will blend different barrels it's exactly like that and then um when whis- uh, whiskey is very much that way too right uh, except, for, sing- sing- except few, for single yeah. barrel right right Yes. Or small batch. Yeah, small, too small batch, they still blend the, the barrels. No, I think barrels. even like small craft distillers blend. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, again, uh, every barrel is going to be a little bit different. Um, even if it's from the same run on a distillery, each barrel is going to have just a little bit of different character, and they want to blend that back together. So, so um, with uh, sour beers – that those differences were like between so you take the ward and you put in the barrels and you have a and b and they come out completely different mm-hmm. is that um mainly because of the nature of the bacteria or is it also because of the different wood uh makeup what was in the barrels beforehand or is it just a combination of all of it it's a combination of all of it okay so really you have next to no idea what's going to happen after or do you I have a general plan and I can kind of so that's what recipe development's about you know so it's about kind of coaxing it in the direction that I want okay but the final product yeah I have no idea um I have a house culture I generally know the stages that it goes through until it gets to the point but again sometimes it just Veers off course. Um, sometimes that's well. Most times so far, it's been quite pleasant, um, but every once in a while, not so much. So it it really just depends on what the yeast and bacteria feel like doing at that time, considering the environment they're in. You know, um, I have windows where my barrels are, um, and even though you know I, I 
keep the brewery around you know somewhere between 69 and like 73 um just being at different heights in the brewery can change the temperature um changes in pressure like there's just a million things that affect a beer um and and the wood that can change the character of the beer so yeah i, I find the science behind barrel aging just tremendously interesting <laughs> One thing that blew my mind was that, um, so we had no idea predicting that rye humors was going to have that blue cheese uh, taste and smell to it. But once it got that, uh, Joe said, give it a couple of weeks and it's going to start to veer towards a pineapple flavor. Because he was, he was able, we had no way of knowing it was going to take the metabolic pathways that it did to get to where it was. But once it was at that point, he was able to identify the next stage in its evolution as it continues to break this down is going to be pineapple-y. So the... Is it fair to say then, like there are typical kind of paths mind. that it'll take? So, like if 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 a beer starts go veering one way, you can tell I go generally with, what it's going to do, or it's, it's more like likely paths, not okay. typical paths. So, yeah. So this this particular blue cheese character, I couldn't even tell you what the chemical name of it is, but um, I know that. It is a precursor for the pineapple taste. Not the smell so much, but definitely the taste. So it was either that or it was never going to go away. But I could already tell that it started to sweeten up. Um, so I knew that it was going to at least get somewhere okay. towards that pineapple. So the um, sour beers that are mass-produced... Um, how like how do they make Duchess taste the same level of awfulness each time <laughs> well, they make it, or is it a different? Well, does it taste different so, from batch to batch? No, no, it tastes the same, and um, they're not doing so. They're always making the exact same beer um, in the same wood, and they make so much of it in so many different things that they blend it back to taste. And this is really no different than what. Um, you know, the macro beer companies, because they blend to taste too, because the only way that you can get a consistent product like that over volume is to make, you know, a thousand different batches and then put them back together until it tastes the way that you want. It. Okay. So, um, but all of the Belgian producers do that. Uh, they have, you know, hundreds or thousands of vessels. They all get the exact same beer, but they blend them to whatever taste it is that they're looking for. So, you know, Rodenbach, for example, um, will always taste pretty much like you expect Rodenbach to taste like um, because it's the exact same recipe. It goes in the wood, same wood that they've been using for you know, centuries or whatever it is. Because they're, as you said before, they're not using the wood to get any flavor at all. They're just using the wood as a semi-permeable well, uh, vessel to... So in their case, um, yes, but they also, the yeast and bacteria actually sits in the wood okay. so that um, they can just put beer back in there and then it starts fermenting from whatever is already in the wood. Okay. Yeah, so many things. <laughs> but they can just keep using the same over and over and over and again they do. because they don't mm -hmm. they're they don't lose any of the like Im, the imparting of flavor right. because they're not at going after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, if you were 
barrel aging, a stout, and a bourbon barrel, you're looking for the bourbon mm-hmm. and right. the... Which is the, why generally you can only do that once or twice and still get bourbon character out of it. Okay. Um, so we're drinking Authority Complex. What is this? So this was... Um, a warehouse ale. It is a warehouse ale. <laughs> I mean, it would be a farmhouse ale if we brewed it in a farmhouse. <laughs> I, but I, I'm allergic to hay, so... Um, <laughs> Essentially, this was the gold base beer. Um, it was one of the first beers I made uh, on the commercial setup. It only was about four months in when we blended that because it, it, it I mean, unbelievably fast turnaround time for a sour beer. Um, I think, you know, Rye Humor's, yeah, it was about eight or nine mm. months before we even thought about touching it so um four months in it was ready we blended it together uh and it you know it just became this lovely lovely beer um and then bottle condition it for uh, i don't know this beer this bottle's probably a year old at mm-hmm. this point okay it's very similar it it seems to have like similarities to cider okay sure we get well, uh we get the white wine comment a lot mm-hmm. yeah, i may pick that i don't drink wine at all sure. said mm-hmm. but like w- my first smell of it it, re- it reminded me of cider awesome mm-hmm. i think my my favorite comment usually is people saying i didn't think that i liked sour beer until i tried these beers and usually that's because all they've ever had is the the quick turnaround kettle sours that because the term sour beer became like a like a huge buzz thing so every yeah. brewery started doing a sour but they didn't have the space or the time to wait three years for mm-hmm. a beer to develop. So, you know, two weeks is about, you know, two weeks to, three, to four weeks, you know, is much more uh, manageable time scale. And it's a, and it's a different thought process too. Um, mm-hmm. I've made two IPAs in my life. Um, They're both on tap. Um, I still really don't do them well because my brain just doesn't. <laughs> dude, dude, I had a guy tell me that the SAP was a world-class IPA on Sunday. Oh, well. He, he was raving about it. I mean, thanks, but, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like I could do better. But um, I think. You need to slide to your. There you go. You, you need to slide to your. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have plenty. I can because I have plenty of space in my frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. um it's it's just a it's just a different mindset and then you know some people are really good at certain things um in sour is almost somewhat of a misnomer correct mm-hmm. cuz like they don't that, ha- they don't it, have to be sour right? they don't have to have the flavor characteristic sour right. mm-hmm. they, it's right. it's the process of making that makes them sour not yeah the, we've uh the people the handful of sour producers um in this country have really tried to kind of classify that, but we always seem to come back to sour. I think just because it's a, it's a good strong word that people. There's an expectation. Yeah. They know what to expect. Um, well, cause I if I just said wild ale or, you know, something like that, people would be like, what does that mean? You know? And um, I'd be happy to explain it to them, but you know, that's not always going to happen. So. I don't know if, if they know what to expect is accurate because I have so many people that think that they know what 
is meant by sour beer that have only had gozes. And I mean, I love I love Sequench by Dogfish Head. I love uh, I love Unions, um, uh, Old Pro, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there are some really well made gozes, but they're also not terribly complex beers. I mean, they're pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't get a lot of evolution of of, of and complexity of flavors with them. That is what I think when I hear a sour beer. I think it's going to be a really interesting beer. Not necessarily a, a challenging beer to your palate, but definitely something that uh, that makes you stop and really consider what what you're drinking. Um, and and a lot of people don't have that same uh, association with sours. So, what would your tasting notes for Authority Complex be? Like what what flavors should people should can um, will. So expect. generally, you know, white wine, stone fruits. I get. Um, I still get apricot from okay. it very much. Uh, yeah, which apricots a stone fruit, right? I don't yeah, know. I don't eat yeah, them. So, yeah, apricots yeah. a stone fruit. I mean, I eat stone fruits, just not apricots. I don't. I'm like the only sour beer guy in the world that doesn't like apricot. But they're, uh, they're my jam. <laughs> um, like, like literally apricot jam. That's the best jam. Is it? Oh yeah. Really? Because I. What about boysenberry jam? Oh, boysenberry's good too. Yeah. Are you gonna make me pick a jam right now? Gooseberry jam. Abigail Hayes uh, gifted us some uh, some homemade boysenberry jam that um. Schnozberries taste like schnozberries. <laughs> we are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. Uh, where, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the um, like I think something about what it tastes like. Oh right, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a complicated beer. There's a lot going on. Uh yeah, so um. White wine, stone fruits. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, flint character in that. Uh, from time to time, depending on what you drink before it or maybe what you eat before it, you can get like a little bit of uh, umami character. Um, it's very effervescent, which, you know, it's, it's very highly carbonated. So that certainly impacts the flavor. And, you know, it's a little bit sour. Um, not terribly so, though. I mean, it's not like puckering you know that little pain in your jaw sour it's it's enough to just kind of offset everything else and, and accentuate so but that's that's generally what we get out of it and that's what's on our menu so that's uh, that's what you go with yeah but you know everybody everybody has different palates so yeah. everybody's going to get little different things or they'll taste the same thing and describe it as something else which is always fun so um, it is always cool to me when i hear different people at different times or in on different days describe one of our beers with uh with the same terms that i hadn't previously heard before so it it, like ah whoever has this going on with their palate they're picking up on something that i personally don't taste Mm -hmm. but they're they're consistent with their their uh, description of it Mm -hmm. It, because there's definitely certain beers that every time i have it it will taste completely different to me yeah and like one of them is Raging Bitch, mm-hmm. and I assume that Flying Dog is not making it differently every time. No, well, <laughs> yeah, no, they they're pretty much yeah, landed on their recipe. Yeah, so. they're they're uh, good at consistency, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's 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 amazing from the other beers I've had or what food I've eaten, mm-hmm. how different yes. Raging Bitch tastes to me each time I have it. Absolutely, yeah, there's a lot going on in that beer, so. So is that mainly what it is? The more complex the flavor profile of a beer, it'll change more? Or is it 
doesn't well really yeah matter. i mean if there's more flavors in it uh you're going to pick up more so really depending so like you know if you eat a ham and cheese sandwich beforehand that beer is going to taste different than if you ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich um so just like with wines uh pairing wines with meals you know uh, usually when, when chefs have a uh, wine pairing suggestion, it's because they know what the flavor profiles of the meal they're serving are, and they pick a wine that that food will bring out certain flavors in the wine that complement it. Um, uh, so really, like, as people started pairing dinners with beers more, uh, you started to see more consideration uh, going into that. We've actually, with Gambrel Mountain Food Company, have a... So we're planning to do uh, food and, and beer pairings, like maybe a, a course meal or something coming up in the near future. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. They took home all of our beers, and, and uh, Ben and Jasmine tried them, and, and you know they came back. Ben was excited. Because oh, nice. like, he's, he's an artist with, with what he does, yeah. and he likes to play with different flavors and different combinations of things, too. So... You know anybody that we can find that has that sort of passion for the the creativity behind it. That's that's a very satisfying sound. <laughs> the pop. Uh, yeah, that I, pop I didn't do it on purpose at all. Right up here. <laughs> yeah, this is the rye humors, the one that we were talking about that uh, that most people get uh, blue cheese smell and blue cheese notes in the in the in the taste of it as well. Um, like I said, it it does it has gone over to a touch of fresh pineapple and. It's, I don't I don't get any blue cheese. Uh, it might have gone away by now. It's hard to in, say because I have at least in the nose I don't. Yeah, the bottles go in a different route than the than the tap. Okay. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I mean, I still get it a little bit, but yeah, it's. Uh, that's a great thing. I mean, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, especially with this beer as it continues to change. You know, we obviously drink it out of the tap more often than we drink it out of the bottle but every once in a while we'll just open a bottle you know quality control yeah of and course. um it's still it's 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 the same beer but a different beer you know it's it's a little more sour it's got a little uh, smoke to it but um i think the last time i had one of these was about a uh, two weeks ago and it still had it had just about as much of the blue cheese as as the uh, stuff on tap did and yeah, I'm not really yeah, getting. That I'm not much getting it, it either. No, it's definitely going a different path than the than the kegs. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is that a function of? The like maybe the the temperature that that was kept at. So uh, it, the bottle conditioning is well, differently so than how it's sitting in a keg. No, because at this point they're, they're all at the same temperature. These okay. stay in the cold box. Um, you know, so kegs. Um, I can only imagine it's, uh, you know, the fact that it's not under constant pressure with CO2. Um, and, you know, there is a little bit of breathing because it's corked and caged. Uh, other than that, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll continue to do this. You know, as we bottle beers, uh, we'll bottle, you know, 20% or something of that, you know, whenever we blend sour beers and the rest gets caked. So... Think of these two. I like authority complex a little better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, the right humors has less carbonation, so that it's it it's still very carbonated. It's just with sour beers, 
unless it's like super super carbonated it's hard to tell because uh a lot of the taste you get from from carbonation is actually a carbonic acid so when you have a sour beer it kind of overpowers that and you need so much of that carbonic acid to kind of cut through okay. all the other acids so i could be making that up i'm not sure we'll just pretend it's accurate because okay. i can't re- I, can't <laughs> I can't argue re- against yeah, yeah so <laughs> graham can you okay. sounds like it's accurate then. All, right, all right good at you, least you, at least for you, the you next weave few a minutes. good tail i don't eat <laughs> <laughs> I, I do i do i'm actually uh oh wait we're not talking about my loom um already with the what bones. is a cool ship so um man i should have had a funny answer prepared for this um a cool ship is not a new concept they're very old um basically it's a big shallow tub uh it can be made out of just about anything um course in the past they used to be made out of wood then they started with copper now most people get them in stainless steel some people still do copper Um, but instead of boiling your wort and then sending it through a chiller you just basically put it in this big tub and stick it outside it cools overnight and that way um, all of the stuff in the air you know um, bacteria and yeast and some other things too all get in there and inoculate the wort instead of you pitching your own yeast or bacteria or whatever. It's all the stuff that's just around. So it can be very regionally specific. You know, like this spot right here in this town, this is what's coming from the air to to, uh, turn this this wort into beer. Right. Well, it's kind of like how um, um, I've heard many people talk about like the uh, Belgian breweries, the oh. old uh, Trappist breweries. Like the, the root, the ceilings are just mm-hmm. covered in oh, yeah. dust mm-hmm. and yeah. and cobwebs because they don't want to touch anything because yep. they have there no idea a, what is. There was a story about uh, uh, Saint Fulian um, moving their uh, production from the barn that had been in for hundreds of years into a new facility that was huge and the the beer just not tasting right so they ended up the story that i heard was they ended up taking every single ceiling tile from the roof of the old barn and and putting it in well not just putting it on top they put it the exact distance it had been from the tops of the open fermenters so they had like these metal rods coming down holding all of the tiles of the old roof just so above the top of the uh yeah I yeah, mean. <laughs> yeah. Your your brewery and and the area around it really do have a very specific combination of of you know flavors flying around in biological form. So any time you know when we cool ship this winter, what the end result beer, even if I did the exact same recipe as someone in you know Pennsylvania did, it'll end up tasting different. Locally sourced yeast. That's right. That's right. Hi- so hyper local. But um, would it be reproducible at all year to year? Um, maybe. Depending on where, if it was sitting in the exact same spot with the with nothing being cleaned, and uh, then maybe much. okay, pretty much. Um, but it, it's really hard to tell. Um. 
you know, the, the balance of that fluctuates over time and, of course, as different things are introduced. Because it's, it's a little different when you're in a brewery that makes the exact same beer, you know, 5,000 times yeah. a year. Um, and they only produce, you know, 10 beers out of that exact same recipe just based on whatever comes out of the barrels or whatever. Um, where, you know, newer American breweries, we make you know, hundreds of different kinds of beers, um, or at least that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. Cons- consistency isn't really our goal. Our goal is to experiment and push things in different directions and have fun and play with it and I- expand the artistry and the science behind what we do and our, and under, under, our understanding of what we're doing. Yeah, so, always. you know, I, I make sake as well, and I, I would not be surprised if, um, you know, cool shipping, you know, once that beer gets into, you know, to a place where I can actually taste out that I won't get some of that sake character. I mean, I'd, I'd be terribly surprised if I didn't get some of that. So Okay. Have you released your sake yet? Uh, that... The first batch uh, went out and is already gone. Okay. Uh, I'm working on the second and third batch now. Is that only bottled, or is that on? Uh, do you serve that on tap? I bottled too? the first one. I will be putting it on tap, um, at least part of it on tap um, for this next batch. Okay. So. Now, what's the difference between beer and sake? Um, nothing really. I okay. mean, it's it's um, takes a lot longer. Was, uh, what's the difference between a rice beer and a sake? Uh, nothing right? yeah i mean it's rice beer is rice beer uh i i guess the only difference is when you use the malt or when you use the rice in sake it's not malted um so you use uh, koji which basically converts the rice starch into sugar so the yeast can eat it but that's really not that much different than using enzyme when you're you know making a making a wash for distillation so it's it's really not there's really not a whole lot so different that's, about it. So that's that's kind of the same process of um, so shochu. So yes, yes. Before distillation, it's exactly okay. the same process. You make sake to make shochu for distillation. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Either I wasn't paying attention when Taka, when Taka was, was telling you stuff. When, when he was, <laughs> what, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think he ever maybe drove that point. That. Um, like where like a whiskey up until the distillation point is pretty much beer, right? Then shochu up until the distillation point is. Well, I think more most or less distillers sake. don't think of their wash as beer when really it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, well, I think um I can't remember which one of the Frederick breweries uh-huh. I and mean, Frederick distilleries always say that at the first thing they do is make beer, right. really bad beer, yes, and then they turn <laughs> it into a good spirit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Because that's yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's just uh, I don't you wouldn't necessarily want to drink it as it was. So okay. Um. So that's why it takes longer because it's a a long a much longer. Um, yeah, the conversion the enzyme conversion process takes time, and you really uh, we keep it at lower temperatures too, um, because it really is a big open process and we want to minimize the amount of bad things getting into it um it's so it just goes fairly slowly you do a bunch of additions because you can't overwhelm it because uh because of the abv 
Um, but again, it's not that much different than making a high ABV beer where you would just continue to put you know sugars into it to boost the alcohol level after you brewed the original beer. So, okay. Other than your own, who is your favorite sour beer producer? Uh, that would be Degard. Tillamook, Oregon. Yeah, that's hands down. <laughs> um, I mean, Santa Darius is fantastic. Jester King is fantastic. Uh, the Rare Barrel is fantastic. But favorite, Degard. Degard. It's like the only time I've ever had beer from Jester King, it was um, before I could appreciate it. Gotcha. So like now I th- I would enjoy it way more than I did when I had it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think like eight years ago is when I someone brought me a few bottles of it. Yeah, it was uh, still have some in the basement. So, mm-hmm. and their artwork's amazing. I love the artwork art is bottles. good. Well, they have an in-house artist, so it makes a big they, difference. They can, yeah. they can do those sorts of things. <laughs> so to um, extend your love of cats, you mm-hmm. have invited the community to bring their pictures of their own cats. We have. Correct? Yep. So what is the, what's the wall up to now? Oh, uh, there's gotta be at least 40. Uh, yeah. Um, so th- that started, uh, my, uh, my dear friend, Becky O'Brien, uh, helped us uh, tremendously when we were setting up and getting the new space, um, ready to open the brewery. And on our opening day, she brought me a framed photo of uh, a cat that she had, a, adopted that had belonged to my mother uh, before she had to go into a nursing home and uh, Becky already had three cats but she she took my mother's cat in she brought me this framed photo and when somebody asked me about that you know what cat is that up on the wall kind of had the idea people started talking about their cats and I thought well screw it you know that's like let's make this a community of, yeah. of crazy cat people that's an easy way to decorate <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I've got stories about maybe about most of the cats that are up on my wall. Nice. Like, I'm, I'm picking up all the dirt on all the cats in Frederick. That's right. <laughs> well, one might say he's been scooping the litter box. For st- oh, okay. Um, so you also have, um, <laughs> you were having a mural painted too, right. right? Is that yep. done or is that still in pro- uh, a work in progress? There's two more cats to go in there and then uh, there's gonna, probably going to be some detail on touch-up work. So Yeah, there was, um, so uh, there's a, a a bartender at Rockwell, Kajenta, who asked me when she came in and she was looking at the mural and she said, so are you going to put your customers' cats up in the spaceships on, on the mural? And I thought, son of a bitch, why didn't I not, why did I not think? <laughs> and I'm like, totally, that's the plan. Obviously, so, we plan on doing so that. So we had this contest <laughs> where everybody was allowed to vote for what cats they wanted to see in the in the murals and the, the top voted cats are, are going in the murals. So. Nice. Yeah. People were really uh, excited about it. Exuberant. Uh, exuber- Becky Rice is queen crazy cat lady of all Frederick. <laughs> it's what, People who are into cats are really into cats. I think so that applies Taylor to dog Madison. people, too, by the way. Well, yeah, the dog people can Kira. be yeah, yeah. pretty obnoxious about their love of dogs, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even more so than, like, I find that people like their pets more than their children, generally. Maybe like's not the right word. No. Love. I think love is the yeah, right word. Yeah, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they might be easier to get along with. <laughs> well, then my 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 half dead pug is definitely easier to get along with than my kids because he you, just you don't have to send him to college. Yeah. That's true. That's and true. when he just kind of crawls over and lays in the corner waiting to pass away. Nice. I mean, not that part. That, the, that, yeah. that part's not that nice. But ru- ruining the day that uh, 
every morning when he still wakes up, I think. <laughs> Let's end on a morbid <laughs> note. Yeah, yeah, right? Probably. Like, man, how about... That local sports team. We, let's, <laughs> <laughs> next place. Let's no, it's let's not open, that bad. Uh, Let's call it the Dead Dog Saloon. Let's alliterate. Let's literally no. not do that. Wait, oh, mean and I'll have a picture of Gordon. My dog. I think he's like thir- thirteen yeah. or so years old, and he's he's very. I mean, ask Graham. He's very rough around the. Are you very tired, Chris? <laughs> he's he's very. Tired. I don't know why I gave him that accent. Um, but. <laughs> Every Chris, could you put me in a wagon and roll me around the neighborhood a couple of times? I just want to get some sunlight on my fur. <laughs> I mean, that that very well could be Stewie's voice. Um, all right, so I guess the we'll go through our typical. Unless you have anything else you want to cover, oh, uh, you want to talk about maybe uh, November tenth. We are doing a cat adoption day, so oh, we, we weren't uh, we weren't on the event and upcoming part yet. That comes later. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought uh, we can we can do that now since you're. I mean, you said anything. You said anything. I did say anything. I guess you need to be more specific. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> anything except for these things that we're going to cover later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cat adoption. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. blah. No. Um. Jeez. But no, I, I thought you meant anything related to the. Brewery no, I meant like your story. That we that, yeah, that that is what I meant. I, covered, I apologize. My the bad. Story. Let's see. Um, uh, be kind to each other and enjoy beer and don't be a snobby, pretentious. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Joe. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a, don't be a Joe about oh. it. <laughs> Please name a beer that. Uh, don't, don't be a Joe. Yeah. Don't be a Joe about it. <laughs> it's a, the okay. whole thing. Don't be a Joe about it. I'll do that. I'll do that. I think, I think that, that maybe I, I mean, typically we always just name the episode by whatever brewery it's about, Yeah. but I think the name of this episode is going to be, don't be a oh, Joe man. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I or mean, just at least house cat dash. Don't be a Joe about it. That's yes. It, all <laughs> I ever asked was to be dashed. All right, so pet adoption. What's what's going on with that? November tenth, from what twelve thirty to to four ish. That seems right. When you close, when you do last call every night, do you encourage everyone to spay and neuter their pets? Um, and their if children. If you don't, no, you yes, should. Yeah, no, because that would be a nice should. little thing. We should let's, like do let's the Bob do Barker right, thing. Everybody, <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Please go and spay and neuter your pets now at ten thirty at night on a Saturday. Don't try to do it by hand or at home. Please take them to a professional. Uh, no, no, we haven't really done that. We we generally do that when people come in. Yeah, oh, that's the yeah. first thing. You the do. first yeah. thing, like, hey, welcome sense. to house cat. Yeah. Have you right. spayed or neutered your pet? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you get all judgy on it. Yeah. Do yeah. you give a discount then if they do? Uh, yeah. yes, plus thirteen percent. Nice. Yeah. You know, a fun fun thing I read yesterday that I I didn't know. Do you know like all the places that offer discounts if you're wearing your I voted sticker? Yeah, mm. that's a that's against the law. It is. Yeah. In, if, in everywhere or in Maryland? Everywhere. It's it's a federal law. If there is a federal um, position on the ballot, it's illegal to reward someone for voting. Well, shit, I wish we'd done it now. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there was any federal issues on our ballot. There were. There were um, senators. Were. Oh, well, yeah, but who cares about them? <laughs> I Hey, Except some for our state senators, do. which we love. <laughs> Every one of them? Uh, uh, 
My the ones that won. I actually do yeah, like. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you know, Fredericks are great. They're very supportive. Yeah, of, they really um, are. They really which are. Which is, I mean, that is one contributing factor to Frederick being the East Coast ca- capital of craft beer. I actually, yeah, and I, I actually find uh, pretty much everybody in Frederick, um, you know, at the state and local levels, very, very supportive of our industry. So, Well, they like the money. Well, they, and, and the... Well, and like, that's a byproduct of yeah. being supporting but, I mean, the small city, business. The city and, doesn't get really much money at all from us. Um, I mean, the state does in the way of sales. Tax, well, the city, city does indirectly from yes, the yeah, economic absolutely. boost yeah, absolutely. of uh, and the people city, coming the, the and supporting. Absolutely. The city's proud of its, of its agricultural mm-hmm. roots. Yeah. And it's also proud to say this was made, manufactured. Right. There's an industry yeah. of people that are creating something in Frederick. You know, but but I think, uh, you know, I, I think they just generally like being helpful and, and doing what they do. So, yeah. But so, yeah, if there's if there's any federal position being voted for on a ballot, okay. it's 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 a federal law that it's illegal. Yeah, to... we should have opened yesterday and really just offered free. <laughs> just a, yeah, that's kind that, of our style. Apparently, yeah. that's like the that's what they really go after. So you could have. Well, yeah, because they being because I'm all not sure who they there's are. several laws that say you just can't give away. Well, yeah, then Beer. yeah, that would upset several people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we never said where you guys are. Where are you located? Uh, right now, we're in a studio in the FMG House Cat is at four hundred Sagner Avenue, Suite one hundred, right across from McCutcheon's Apples, and a short walk from Attaboy. Coming soon to the neighborhood, Idiom Brewing, right across the creek. Have you done voice work? That, was a, that sounded pretty professional. I mean, he's, yeah. done, he's done a lot of oral work. All right, all right. The, but um, it's probably um, very beneficial to be able to say, like, oh, we're just we're in the same building Attaboy's in. We're in the same building Attaboy's in. Come on down <laughs> to House Cat in the same building where Attaboy is. But, I mean, if, the, if, you, if you guys see <laughs> someone out somewhere and they ask you where House Cat is, I'm – I would assume, that, like at this point, most people in Frederick know where Attaboy yeah, is. Yeah, and yeah. you know, so it makes it very easy to. You don't have to go through that dance of trying to find a um, landmark that the person's I, familiar. I definitely credit Brian and Carly uh, significantly for us being in the spot we're in. I'm not sure if uh, if Willard's would have um, allowed us to to lease the that space if Carly hadn't sent him an email personally saying. You know, we want them to be our neighbors. So I, I just. Oh, you think they would have? They would have automatically well, assumed that they wouldn't. Want that it would have been too much competition. Yeah. There. yeah, but I mean, what we do and what they do are very different things. And the, I mean, even if you did the exact same thing, you really, you most likely wouldn't hurt each other. No, right. Certainly I mean, because not. the certainly not the craft beer community. I mean, they they not only want to support their local scene, but they you know they uh, are are into the different expressions of, of different beer. Yeah. So, yeah. Has Google started sending people to the right location? Yeah, it has. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, it certainly doesn't hurt to, to, to explain that to people listening. Um, what was it? Probably for the first, what, three or so weeks that you yeah. were open. If you Googled house cat and clicked, directions it took it to to your original place right, yeah, right, they, right. they, they had your current, barrel storage uh-huh. is more they had our current address right but when you clicked you know directions it would pop it would pop up the other address i should have yeah. should have put it to the post office just people would show up at the post office it'd be fun everything's fine 
All right. Um, first of our typical questions, what is your favorite non-house cat Maryland beer? Favorite non-house cat Maryland beer. Yeah. I mean, your old pro. Hmm. That is a um, that is an often chosen beer on the show. It's a damn good beer. I think, a more uh, correct answer would be tea time. Um, but we'll, <laughs> we will accept old pro. Oh, I mean, wow. I didn't know this was like true or false. Um, I just love, I, I, I love I was, tea time. It's I so was going to say your most consumed beer is Sporto, uh, attaboy. Mm-hmm. That's true. But we are in the same building, yeah. uh, from what we heard earlier. And, and, you know, I could just see. walk next door. Man, yeah. my favorite Maryland beer. Uh, right at this at this very moment, um, speed of darkness. Scott McKernan oh, at uh, at Rockwell. So good. Oh, I don't think. It, oh, no, I've had that. that yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's that stout time of year for me, and that beer just does it for me. Scott makes good beer. Yeah, it's like since he's taken over as the brewer at Rockwell, things have. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad to have him there. Actually. The maples, the maple stout at uh, Old Mother. Oh yeah, good too. Yeah, I finally got out to to Old Mother, and their maple stout was fantastic. Really good. So, are you anti kettle sour? No, not or at all. Okay. No, no, not at all. It's. <clears throat> I just. It, I don't have to do it, so I don't. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if like you had a not at all philosophical uh, not uh, even aversion to. Well, the only the only problem I thought of that because I love the amaretto. Sucker at at punch. Old Mother, yeah, oh, okay. I had that there too. Never had a sucker punch. When is I was amazing. A, when I, didn't I was have a, that. Yeah. when I was a, a young and brash and and a wild eyed kid, I used to amaretto sours used to be like the, the first liquor that the you know, fancy I, felt, I felt fancy, you know, going to a club <laughs> and getting it. out. Uh huh. Exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah, so when I tried that, I was like just blown away that they nailed it. Like that's you know. Um, Absolutely solid. Yeah. What is the best worst review that you've received wait, so hold on. far? Wait, oh, that's sorry. what I, I want to continue with your question. Are you a, are we averse to to kettle sours? Okay, no. Yeah. The my only gripe is that people that have only had kettle sours because the term sour is is used across the spectrum yeah. don't know what uh, a, a complex and barrel aged and and old sour tastes. Yeah, it's like. a very very so different. If, if they don't like it, they think they don't like sours. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, kettle sours are. I mean, they're all sour, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think fairly consistently uh, they're. Um, you can still adjust that. I mean, uh, so well, yeah, like, depending like on where you drop the you can, isn't but, really that sour of a beer. But that's a blend. Sequench is a um, right, but all uh, of, all of my sour beers are blends too. Which, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm all but I'm saying is, but it's not purely yeah. a kettle sour. It's right. a it's a Berliner Weiss and a. Um, Goza and something else right. melded together yep. and delicious. Yes. Yeah. And part of that for them would be to keep that acidity down because you don't, they didn't want something that's super sour. Yeah. Sure. So. All right. Then on to the next. What is the best worst review you've ever received? Uh, so the best and the worst, the best or the worst, the best or worst. the best worst, the best. Yes. So like of all the had, bad reviews, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to handle. We're going. I want to handle this one. We're, we're gonna. I'm going to host one of these in in Frederick too. We just have to nail down what location we're going to do it at. Okay. <clears throat> but at we, can, can we do it in six months and one day? Um. <laughs> no, it'll probably be in the 
in like February ish. Yeah, no, end of January, beginning of February. This is is kind of perfect. Yeah, it'll probably. Okay. So, yeah, because apparently we won't be open then. So okay, so check. Oh, okay. So check check <laughs> nice. check this out. My, this is my favorite review. There was a. They a gave guy. you more time than. Uh, Old mother's worst one gave them. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, good. This might have uh, been the same guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I'm, I'm calling him out by name. Uh, we well, should. Greg Eckhart. Uh, that came, name sounds really. He familiar. came. <laughs> apparently, he's written negative reviews for Firestone uh, as well. Like I mentioned, so anyway, Greg Eckhart came in opening day, hasn't been back in four months, but. Uh, keeps refreshing his negative review so that it sh- it shows back up at the top. Like, so I he don't... really hates you. Oh yeah, he is. Nice. And uh, in his review, he said, uh, "My prediction is these guys won't last six months." So on our six month and one and one day, we're having a Greg Eckhart party. We're gonna name a beer after. I Greg was gonna Eckhart. say you definitely should we're have. Gonna, a we're, we're gonna print up his review and we're gonna post it around. We're gonna invite Greg Eckhart. We might make up special Greg Eckhart shirts. There will be balloons. Um, <laughs> like I want to celebrate our. I mean, I because in that situation when somebody says something nasty about you online, what can you do? You can either say. We're sorry you had a bad experience. We it was our very first day. Our beer tenders had never poured our beers before. We didn't know our tap system. Or, they never used our. Or you can throw, throw a, party. a party. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather throw a party, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll I'll be releasing the audio to this once I get around to listening through it and editing it. But we had uh, for Baltimore Beer Week uh, at Waverly. They had me host a um, ode to the one star review, a night of strong uh, opinion. Yeah, 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 we saw, saw that. that. <clears throat> and it was hilarious. So there was about seven, eight-ish breweries, and each one got up and read the worst review that they've ever received. Well, I don't, I and, don't check my Untapped. And it, well, so Untapped, <laughs> un, Untapped, Untapped reviews aren't funny. They're usually just annoying or, or just like it's mean. yeah, but they're not mean in a level that Yelp and TripAdvisor or Facebook just or TripAdvisor. Well, no, I named TripAdvisor trip because Attaboy has an amazing TripAdvisor review. <laughs> yeah, that is, they just they go through even down to the floor and pick, <laughs> I've and, seen that one <laughs> and pick apart the entire brewery. So the people who dedicate their time to reviewing places on those platforms in, in, in their silk smoking yes, jackets, they, they, they put much more effort, Candlelight, you know, get the mood set. Right. So like old mothers that they, they Candy often warriors. talk about. And I've brought up many a times yeah. on the podcast starts out with, have you ever been someplace you just know won't be around a year from now? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and they're what now? Uh, a little Three. over two years? Three? Yeah. Oh, nice. They just yeah. had their, um, it was the 20-something, ninth, maybe. Okay. Was their thir- three-year anniversary. Awesome. Good for them. Because they, um, and I only remember that specifically because they were the first guest we ever had on. Uh, and we did that because they were cel- they were just about to celebrate their first year nice. anniversary, and the FNP was going to have an article about them. So I was like, "Well, let's hurry up and start the podcast." And, and what number of guests are we? Ninth uh, episode. Episode one hundred and nine. You said like doubles, mm. or maybe even triples. There's definitely yeah. There's that. De- I mean, like all, all right. So later on, when I need you to count to see how many. 
different guests you have. What, what is this? Because I'm about to drink? um, well, Joe already drank his. He wasn't supposed to. I thought we to were yet. supposed to toast. Or uh, we, yeah, because yeah. that's how it typically goes. I mean, if you want more, I can uh, pour yeah. more. Yeah, I always want more. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Both of you want more. I mean, um, we didn't get into this business because we don't enjoy a drink or two, <laughs> or three, four. Uh, because I'm a nerd, um, I did start a database where I was keeping track of who was on what episode and like cross-referencing all these things. Um, but then it turns out I'm more lazy than I am nerdy. <laughs> I, um, I yeah I get so that. that not you specifically. Joe also but, like ha- yeah. incorporates his laziness into his his methodology and his style of style of uh, of brewing. I do. Yeah, I do. You work with your strengths. It is one of the oh. things I like about sour beer. I can just forget about beer for like months. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it's a... like putting that twenty in your pocket of your jacket, and then you go back and you're like, oh sweet, I had this beer in this barrel. Yeah, I that forgot always, all about it. That, <laughs> That always feels like so much more money than right. it is. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, this is a single malt whiskey mm. that um, I made with McClintock. Oh, this mm. was this was only aged for about a month in a two liter barrel. Still they very have, smooth. They have a um, thirty li- thirty gallon, thirty some gallons of it aging at the distillery. Nice, That'll nice. Come out whenever it's ready. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our timeline yeah. for our beer yeah. as well. And it's, it's infused ready. with uh, seven pounds of UK Golding and um, Meridian hops. Nice. So, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for thank having you, us. everyone, for watching and listening. This is the smallest cheers, cheers I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> the Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.